Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. As we approach the season, one of the biggest things we're looking at right now is how do we prepare our team best for week one? And our players are coming back to us in various states of conditioning. A lot has been out of our control this past offseason. Normally, we are able to keep a finger on exactly where our team is. We control the conditioning. We control that whole offseason. But because of the shutdown, we've been left to uh, have players who have done things on their own, uh, some of them more than others. Some of them just didn't have the resources to do those. I know we've done a great job. We've had a lot of coaches come on and talk about some of the things you can do during the shutdown, but now it's time to get ready. And so on today's podcast, we're going to talk with four coaches and put together uh, some of our past conversations that really talk about this exact point. And joining us will be Kurt Hester from Louisiana Tech, Ryan Horton from Georgia Tech, Eric Quorum from William & Mary, and Coach Kirk Frederick from Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we're going to focus on different aspects of this. And to start us off, we have Kurt Hester, and we're looking at the approach we should take as we get our players back. And Coach Hester and I talked about an old-school approach. And I know right now the thought might be, well, we really need to get these guys in shape. We really are going to have to spend extra time on that. Uh, And uh, we don't want to err on the side of – doing too much and really wearing them out. And so Coach Hester talks about that old school approach versus what we can do to make sure that our players are performing optimally. Let's take a listen. So at this time of the year, everybody's heading into their their training camp. And unfortunately, we're still probably more towards uh, the, the popular film from years back that was on ESPN, Junction Boys, where Bear Bryant took these guys out and, and physically just, you know, for lack of better words, tortured them right into toughness, into, into making a team. And, uh, you know, as, as I look at what happens across the country at this time, you know, sometimes maybe we're too close to that and we're not looking enough at the skill development side of how we approach this time of the year. Yeah, because a lot of coaches still think that you, that you're gonna, you will build mental toughness in your training program throughout the year. And, you know, yeah, do you need to make uh, some things hard? But, but making it hard is really just, just developing your standard, saying this is how you're going to line up. This is where your feet going to be. This is the position I, I want you in. 
and and never deviating from that that standard that that makes any conditioning modality tough a lot tougher and we still we're still like in that glycolytic love to drive our guys into the ground in that in glycolysis because that's what the, you know that's the 300 yard shuttles and the 110s and the gasters and and all these old school conditioning modalities that that actually inhibit your power output you know uh in the alactic system and that you're so you're taking all all the ability that you 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 formulate in the weight room and all your sprint patterns and all your your acceleration deceleration work you're killing it on the on the back end by training and and glycolysis because you know the the you're you're pushing this all these hydrogen ions and the lactic uh and blood lactate and and bottom line you're just destroying your power output and and coaches, but they love it because the guys are on the ground. Oh, you're making them tough, and it's hard, and it's you know, and, and we're building our program. You know, it's like you're destroying your 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 athleticism on the back end by doing that. And that's the kind of mentality is just you, you know, these sport coaches have to learn more of the science. And once they, if you can sit down, like I just spent, I just spent an hour with our D coordinator breaking down. Uh, you know, physiological systems. And, and he was like, God, Kurt, no one ever explained it to me. You're right. And, you know, you're not going to make them tougher and we're, we're screwing this up and, and we need to be smarter and we need to, you know, you know, because at our level, at my level, I only have, I barely have 22 starters. You know, we, and, and the next guy up is like a three. We don't even have twos. You know, next guy up is like a red shirt freshman or a walk on. So it's not like, I'm, I'm not a power five school where I have, five five stars behind each other if one goes down i have one guy and he's got to play 80 plays at the highest level and so that repeat sprintability of that repeat power output bashing yourself into another 300 pound lineman for 80 straight plays needs to be high and if i train in if i train by using shuttles and gassers and it, it doesn't it doesn't equate to it just drops their power output and doesn't equate to a better conditioned athlete for 80 plays in the spread offense so, you know, we, we have to be, we have to be smarter. We have to be more conscious. We have to, we have to, you know, bottom line, there's no player's health is, is, you know, should be, you know, put aside to, to say we are building mental toughness that, you know, that these players are dying, you know, across the country in, in the guise of we're building mental toughness is insane and, and it doesn't need to happen. There's, there's a better way a more efficient way, a more humane way, you know, and it's like, you know, if you, you got so many young coaches out there at, at, at high school and the college level that they won't say anything to the head football coach. They won't, they won't say anything to D coordinator, O coordinator. They won't, they won't voice their opinion. They just blindly follow what they say. And then they get a player injured or killed. And, you know, you got to use your eyes and you got to use your head. You have a responsibility to your athletes. You know, they, when they chose your school, they chose you. So in effect, they hired you to be their guy. And you should, and, and you should, you should have that understanding of they chose me and I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to keep him safe his entire career. And that's just how, that's how I feel. I, there's no coach on the planet that I'm going to injure an athlete for. Ryan Horton is the director of applied sports science at Georgia tech. And he and I talked about getting our players in optimal condition for the season. We also started to talk about preparing for the exact demands of the season and understanding how we work those into practice. Here's Coach Horton. Uh, I look to something like we talked about with Coach Frederick at 
at Union where, you know, he's, he's really just made this the focus, you know, with or without the technology. I think you have to have that philosophy in place first, that this is the way we're going to do things. This is how we're going to look at how we train our players, how we manage their loads, how, um, you know, we are uh, maximizing their performance and minimizing their risk of injury by just being smarter about how we do things. So, um, Ryan, as you look at, you know, the, again, technology aside, what are the key components here that coaches with or without this technology need to be looking at in order to make sure that their players are um, performing at, uh, uh, at an optimal level? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think with or without the technology, um, I mean, we used to, even before we had catapult, I mean, we would take, uh, we would take stopwatches, um, out of practice and, and we would time, uh, you know, the time between reps and we would compare that to with the time between reps of a game to try to match the tempo of a game. Um, you know, we would, and, and it's a lot of it speaking to what, what coach was saying um, is, you know, you're going to, you're going to practice your allotted amount of minutes of practice. You know, that's, that's pretty regulated now as far as how much you can practice. So what are you doing in between practices to make sure that that you are recovering from every practice, you know, whether it's, you know, eating and getting the proper nutrition, like Coach is saying, um, you know, making sure guys are eating breakfast, making sure guys are hydrated. We weigh our guys in and we weigh them out before and after every practice um, to make sure that they're replenishing the fluids that they've lost, um, you know, from that practice, from, from the previous practice to where that's, that can be a red flag immediately right away if, if you have a guy – you know, some guys are heavy sweaters, and, and we're going to have guys that will lose 8, 9, 10 pounds um, out of practice. That's kind of on the rare side, but it happens. Um, but the key is to making sure that they're properly hydrated going into the next practice. So if all of a sudden that guy that lost that weight, if he's still weighing in light, you know, the following day, well, that's a red flag. Well, you know, that guy um, didn't get properly hydrated from the practice before, and and, you know, if you're going to back out to another hot day, um, that's a huge, huge concern. And so a lot of those different, you know, techniques um, to making sure the guys are recovering from one practice to the next um, because, you know, camp is back-to-back-to-back-to-back days, and if guys aren't doing those things to take care of their body, you know, it can spiral downhill really, really, really fast. I'm interested in what you said about the the tempo and matching the tempo there. Um, I I know we've gone to, in practice, trying to get as many reps as we can in 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 as fast a period of time as we can. And I think the difference between the game, because I did a a study of this myself, really, to be able to simulate, uh, and, and actually not simulate, but know what we needed to do in terms of communication between a play. Uh, What was the real time between... The, the whistle blowing and the ball being snapped. And, you know, depending on the, the distance down the field, it was usually somewhere between 9 and 11 seconds at, uh, at least at, at our level at Division three And, um, you know, I think it's slightly slower for high school. It might be a little bit faster at the higher levels where, you know, there are those teams pushing it and they have their own ball boys flying down the sideline. Um, but uh, in, in going back to what – uh, Coach Frederick and I talked about was the idea of early on, like they they were very conscientious about how many reps in a row are we going to have these guys do, and they actually you know created that situation both for their individual periods, their group and team, where you know they might start with as an example four 
reps. Like we're only going to run four reps in a row at a high tempo um, before we get these guys off. And we're going to build it up to the point of we're ready for week one kickoff, you know, and um, you see less and less of those longer time consuming drives across football anymore as teams have moved to uh, fast paced offense, high tempo offense. Um, but, but the point being you monitor that is, is there any, you know, have you looked at anything and said, Hey coach, uh, you know, you guys are, are doing this in practice. This is actually how it works in a game. Uh, cause I think in practice, you know, what, again, what we found is that we were, we we're going faster than we actually could in a game. Uh, what's your thought on that and how has that come into to play our conversations at all? Well, it's, it's far as the, we call them, we call them racks. Um, so if it's a four play rack or a seven play rack, um, of however many plays like that particular unit is going to run in a row during that period of practice. Um, and, and we'll vary it up just because, you know, it's going to be varied in the game. You're going to have three play drives. You're going to have eight play drives. And so we'll vary that up a little bit. Um, one of the interesting things that we did find though, uh, with catapult is, is we were trying to, in, a, in an effort to try to make practice as efficient as possible. So to make it to where, you know, when guys are moving and guys are working, that there's a, that there's a purpose behind that movement and that distance that they're having to cover um, is that we found, you know, doing longer play racks of doing a rack of maybe six plays in a row is a lot more efficient than doing shorter, like three play racks because you're eliminating that running on and off the field and transitioning to different areas of the field. And we were able to, to cut yardage off of our guys' legs by manipulating how we put together some of those racks of plays in different periods of practice and just making practice more efficient. So that way it's not a matter of, because we try to look for ways of, we don't want to nest, we don't want to practice less. It's not about practicing less. It's about practicing more efficient. So to get the maximum amount of productivity off of the amount of yardage that guys are going to cover at practice. So how can we make everything as efficient as possible so we can be as productive as possible? And that's one of the things that we came across with, um, with catapult um, that I don't know if, you know, it, when, when you look back on it, it seems kind of obvious, but I don't know if it would have ever really been as obvious as it was without the numbers to be able to show, um, to be able to show that happening. Kirk Frederick is the head football coach at Perennial Powerhouse Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he joined us to share a little story about how he got into the mapping of practice leading up to week one and how they best prepare their players. And it does take some adjustment. Coach is going to talk about some of the things that they do throughout that course of the first week. And I think it's so important right now that we take a look at this and we think about what we're going to do here as we have a new approach to an unprecedented preseason. So let's listen in here with Coach Kirk Frederick. Yeah, that's something that I think at any level is the challenge because we get into the camp and you know we're installing, we're working our stuff a lot of times against – you know, our own offense or defense, and we're maybe not paying attention to enough to what these guys are going to be getting into when we hit that in-season portion of the schedule. And I know you joined us before and talked to us a, a little bit about what you guys do during the co course of the year that addresses those things, but there's that build-up to it now, um, or probably a better word for it is scaling things the right way 
as you get towards week one. So, Coach, what's the approach that you guys look at into being able to, to build this into your coaching and into your plan? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, one of the things just conceptually is, is that we looked at, um, you know, we, we were playing zero week. And so this all this changed for us all about the right time because we're looking at three weeks before our first game from the first day of practice. And, and uh, so we started trying to look at and modify some things. We had some really big – we usually try to play a really important game, game one. And, you know, we, you know at that time uh, we were playing some of the Texas schools and we were playing game one for us, but it was their game two just the way that the cycle does when you cross the – Across the state line, sometimes you know they start a different week than we do, and 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 you know we all know that game two our kids are in better shape, uh, they don't make as many mistakes. That game two is always much better than game one is, uh, no matter how much you prepare. And sometimes just playing into shape is what you got to do. And and uh, but we wanted to be at our absolute best when we played that big time game, and uh, so we went back and looked at. Every day in those three weeks, how we wanted to map out um, the the sport performance part uh, of that, and and we train our kids on a four day cycle during the summer. So how can we get them in a four day cycle going up into uh, that first that first game? But then also we wanted to get the max reps out of it um, uh, from those kids. So uh, typically everyone gets excited that first uh, practice, and and that's awesome. That's awesome. And everyone's fresh and they're ready to go. And our kids go out and they go a thousand miles an hour. And those those first, whether you're doing two days or one long day or however you're doing that, um, but then you look back after a couple of days of that and your kids are pretty tired uh, and you don't even realize that how much you've put into those first two days. So we looked at at trying to get uh, our kids to go through, um, really trying to get our 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 goal. Uh, not to talk around this too much, but our goal was to look at how many plays would it, would they run in the first half of a game. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as we went through that, we tried to uh, map those series out to where we could get, uh, tried to get us to a point where our kids were involved in 40 full speed plays in, in a practice. Uh, we didn't try to get all the mileage in for a whole game. Uh, we felt like we were going to get that once we got to that first scrimmage that we that we were in, but we were looking at at the yardage that they would have to put in and tried to get in that 36 to 40 plays. So uh, in the first half of a game, and so that first Monday, we wanted to make sure that that no matter what position they were at, those guys got four reps. Um, so if they were gonna, uh, if it was an offensive lineman, you were working on kick sets, you know, you were gonna do four, and we were gonna try to mimic it just like a play. Um, a lot of times if you get in a big program, you, you may have, you know, 15 guys in a line and you're always trying to maximize those reps. Well, we would make sure that those first two, two units were going in sets of four. Um, when we were running team, whether it was team on air, uh, we were going as fast, as hard as we could for four plays. And then we let them recover. Uh, and then we'd go another four. And if we were doing scale, you know, good on good or something like that, then, um, those were in sets of four, but we tried to make sure we didn't milk those kids um, in that first day. And then the second day, we may go uh, sets of four uh, play series, but then also get to a couple of sets of six. And then that third day of practice, um, 
we literally tried to maximize the off the feet time on that day. Very low, low tempo. Uh, we actually did a lot of recovery stretch that for that third day of practice. That was the hardest one for our coaches because we're trying to get a lot of stuff installed, uh, trying to get those things done. Um, it was the hardest just mindset shift with that third day for us to slow down. A lot of things we did was a lot of uh, walk-through things. We did a lot of extra meeting time within our special teams, tried to cover situations more on the board or walking through than we typically would, would jog through or you know go three-quarter speed on. But that third day, I, I felt like because we took that time and gave our kids a chance to recover, that the second half of that week in our first week of practice was, was much clearer. And we were able to eventually, by the end of the week, build up to getting into eight-play series and those kinds of things um, and, and really tried to use the concept of just building on the amount of reps. And then if, if our position, let's say our receiver coach knew that in team or in scale – they were going to get three sets of, of six plays. Um, then he would have to come up with that, which that, you know, that equals 18 plays. He would have to come up with drills to try to get his yardage back up to 36 plays to match that through his individual time sometime during that practice. Eric Quorum joined me live at our national conference this past February in Louisville, and we talked about scripting for practice. Not the idea of what plays you put in there, but how you put your reps together. Uh, a little bit of, of what Coach Horton talked about with their racks at Georgia Tech. We talk about that same approach here and understanding that, understanding exactly what your players are going to need in that week one to solve what he calls that first week conundrum. Here's Coach Corm. And when we look at how we script practice, we have to have the right model or the right framework so that we understand what is actually happening on the field. And really, when you script practice, I'm going to talk to the coaches today that you know, you're improving the physical, the psychological, and the technical and tactical abilities of your athletes. Not only are you trying to improve their technical tactical abilities, but you're also working on stress inoculation. How are we preparing them for the stress of the game, the true stress of the game? And then also, you're a strength coach on the field. Because when you script practice, it's like writing a weight program. Because when you practice, there is a biological response. And your body is adapting to perform the task that you're presenting. It's called specific adaptation to impose demands. Your body's going to adapt to the stimulus you presented. And so I call this the first game conundrum. <laughs> How many of you have ever, you know, been at the first game, you're on the sidelines, your guys past the conditioning test in the summer and you had a grueling you know two a days or whatever your training camp situation and a couple series into the game the coach takes his headset off and is like our guys are out of shape like he looks at somebody maybe the strength coach and goes our guys are out of shape <laughs> he's always looking at you <laughs> yeah he's always looking at the strength coach and you're like the reality is is he's been the strength coach for the past month mm -hmm. and so this is not a blame game it's a it's a it's a reality game of are you preparing your guys during practice to actually match game demands? Right. And the game demands would shock people. Yeah, and we think, you know, our whole idea is we're going to get them ready for week one. we got to get these guys in shape. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of us, and believe me, I, I've been there as, as a young coach and before I understood some of these things. And even, even now I think it's something you just got to stay on top of because you kind of fall into old habits. But 
you know, you think you're training the guys for something, but then when you actually look at what you did, it doesn't look like the game is how the game will look at at all. Yes. And and so you end up then in that situation like Raje. Yes. <laughs> and you know, I, I had a volleyball coach two years ago that I was talking with, and he told me, he was like, Eric, here's this conditioning test we're going to run with our volleyball players. And I'm like, okay, why are you doing this? Well, because we did it at the place I was at before. Okay, why are you doing this? Couldn't answer why. I said, okay, so let's just look at the game of volleyball. What, how much time, what's the work-to-rest ratio? How long are they active versus how long are they resting between points? I don't know. How many times they change direction during a volleyball match? I don't know how many times they hit the ball. By this point, he was getting really, really frustrated. And I, he was kind of getting a little angry. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to piss you off. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I just realized I don't even know my own sport. And this is a head Division One volleyball coach. Right. So I said, well, let's, you know, there's not a lot of literature on it. So I was like, why don't you take a stopwatch and let's go watch some games. And he mapped out the entire game. And all of a sudden, it was like the matrix. Like, you know, the numbers are falling, and he's starting to realize, like, am I, I'm not preparing my athletes for the game. So football, which shocks people, you know, the, the average play is five to six seconds. Passes are a little bit longer. The rest between plays depends on the tempo of your offense sure. or the tempo of your opponent. But what, what the average series is about six plays. But what gets people is, is especially at the, you know, FCS up to the NFL, High school may be a little bit different, but the average rest between when the offense exits the field, special teams occurs, and the offense goes back on, is 7 to 15 minutes. And I tell this to coaches, they're like, no, that's not possible. I'm like, think about it. Timeouts, change of possession, media timeouts now, all these different things. And right. then just take a stopwatch, like get the raw feed of the game, the, the start to finish, and just put us in there like, holy cow. So what happens is, is how do you script practice? You know, let's say group or team scenarios, it's threes for the ones, threes for the twos, three plays for threes if you have it, or four, four, four. And then the plays aren't actually being run uh, with the appropriate rest. So what happens is, is because there's inadequate rest between series of plays, even though they're trying as hard as they can, their effort level goes down to medium. So like if you run a hundred meter sprint and you rest 10 minutes and then you run another one, like, great. But if you take off, like you can repeat that effort. But if you take off on a track and you get 100, 200, 300, are you maintaining the same velocity? No, it's going down, 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 down. The winner is the person that can slow down the slowest. So what happens between series of plays is, is if you have 7 to 15 minutes to rest, you're fully recovered. So the next time you step on the field, the output is so much higher. Right. You don't experience that. So in practice, you're going four on, four off, four on, four off, break, go to you know maybe another indie period, whatever, teach, back to group. You're never simulating the game. Right. So what happens is you get a couple, now on psychological stress, you had to get in a couple series of the game, the players are smoked because they've never had to put out at that high of an intensity from a psychological, a physiological standpoint since the year before. So as the season goes on, you're starting to get into shape. But the reality is you don't have time for that. So you got to construct your practice to match game demands. Right. I mean, when was the last time, you know, I talked to some coaches. I'm like, hey, when was the last time you had a 12-play 12 12 drive? Like, worst-case scenario, go to goal. 
Yeah. Oh man, that just you know we don't have time for that. Well, it's going to happen. I think Kentucky this year had a 20-play drive. Uh-huh. Now it changes on the level of, of competition in sure. the NFL. There hasn't been a 20-play drive in the past century. You know, so these are just all things that you've got to look at with the right lens. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're right. Like a lot of us do that is. You know, we look at, okay, we're going to get our ones, four plays, and then our twos will come in for two, and then back to the ones, and they never run more than, you know, depending on how many, you know, three-play drive, four-play drive, they're not doing that. Yeah. So what's your recommendation, and how do we how do we fix that, and you know, what are the, what's the attention we're going to start putting on our practice that is going to better prepare us so we don't have, you know, the, the head coach looking at the strength guy saying, our guys are out of shape. Well, first of all, everybody needs to have a seat at the table when you develop the plan because it impacts more than just the technical tactile, the physical Mm -hmm. conditioning, their psychological readiness. So it's called the wisdom of crowds. When you have a bunch of people with different perspectives at the table to poke holes in a situation, you're going to get a better outcome than one person going back into a corner and saying, well, this is what we're doing today. It doesn't work out very well. Mm So that's the first thing I would say is you need to be willing to be open. Everybody's got to be willing to, to constructive criticism and disagreement about the process. Second thing is, is just start with what the game is. So if we know that our team, uh, let's say you, you're a ground and pound team and you're going to get 65 plays a game, 60 plays a game, and we're going to snap the ball every 35 seconds, and we know the, our type of versus the other side of the fence. We're going to try right. to snap it every 25, whatever. And then we know that we, we got our average drive – it's like six, seven plays. But we got to prepare the guys weeks in advance. Well, we're having series of teams, where, team periods, we're going six maximal effort plays. Guys are going as hard as they can. And then there's seven minutes between, mm-hmm. eight minutes. Well, how do you fill that time productively? Well, the next group can go, and then you can teach something situational. Right. And then So we can go from first down, we can move the field, we can go into a third down scenario because now you're working on their football intelligence. A lot of times, so so scripting that, making sure that over training camp that you're having days where you're accumulating enough plays that are game-like. Mm-hmm. I think our scrimmage days need to be longer. So the average football games, you know, college level's three hours. So when was the last time you had a three-hour scrimmage? You and, know. I, and I'm not saying that you need to have three hours worth of plays. Right. But spread everything out over the three hours. Yeah, halftime, guys sitting on the bench. How often do we practice with our comms on? Yeah. Like every like if you work, I do some work in the DOD space. Like those when you train as a as a warfighter, like you're training for the actual event. Mm-hmm. And if your players can't go into the first game saying, I've been here before, then they're not gonna have the confidence to execute. Right. And you as a staff need to say everything has been looked at. Those were some really great conversations with coaches who are knowledgeable about this topic. I think it's so important that you look at these things, review these things as you approach the 2020 season. For those of you who also have youth football returning in your community, I want you to take a look at fdm.usafootball.com and check out our return to play protocol. We've really put a lot of attention to detail and exactly how you can get your youth football teams back out on the field safely Uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic for systems for all of our contact blocking, defeating blocks, and our advanced tackling. Check out footballdevelopment.com. And please keep tuning in here as we go through the preseason and into the season. 
Uh, we'll be addressing all the issues that you face, as well as you coaches who are sidelined here for a little bit and preparing now for spring football. We're going to address some of that as well. So uh, stay tuned. And if you're loving the podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us a rate or review. And we appreciate it.